Hey, mountain bikers, this is your host, Norman Peterson. This episode breaks from the usual format of the MTB Jumper podcast. Clayton Peterson shares details of 18 years as a U.S. military special forces medic, and that experience is interwoven with his mountain biking life. This interview includes graphic discussions of the realities of military life and may not be appropriate for children or those sensitive to such topics. Most of the interview focuses on the power of mountain biking as a positive, therapeutic force in the life of someone striving to overcome PTSD, which is the point of Clayton's organization called Ride It Out. I should also mention that this episode was recorded under the flight path of the Boeing Airport in Renton, Washington. And so there's lots of airplane noise and traffic and people walking by and whatnot. At one point, a police officer rolls up at the park that we're that we're set up at to see what's going on. And I kind of wish I could have recorded my conversation with him. But anyway, he, he thanked uh, Clayton for his service and, and left us alone. So uh, please be patient with the sound. The, the vocal quality is very good. It would have been very poor if I'd tried to use noise reduction software to eliminate airplane sounds and stuff. For the most part, it's it's kind of fitting and uh, not really too annoying, just, a, just some extra sound in the background. Okay, here we go. Greetings, downhillers, freeriders, dirt jumpers, slope stylers, and other progressive riders, including beginners, intermediate, and advanced. It's episode number nine of the MTB Jumper podcast. I feature conversations with extraordinary riders, coaches, and industry leaders. We talk about skill development, bikes and gear, digging and building, strength and fitness, and much, much more. I'm your host, Norman Peterson. Thanks for tuning in. It's an infinitesimally small percentage of people who can conceive of the dedication and commitment of a medic in the U.S. Special Forces. Their single-minded allegiance to country and comrade exposes them to challenges that most of us will never even glimpse. Clayton Peterson's dedication has afforded him wisdom, clarity, and purpose that could only come out of those challenges. Please join me for this brief journey that takes us from the woods of Montana to the streets and parks of Hawaii, to the harsh war-torn deserts of the Middle East, to the mountains of Kentucky and the Pacific Northwest, and resolves with surprising solutions to some of the most challenging mental health issues. Here's my discussion with progressive mountain biker and U.S. Special Operations flight paramedic Clayton Peterson. Probably like 9 or 10, and just wasn't working out with my mom, and I chose to go live with my dad. My dad moved from Missouri to Montana, uh-huh. and... He was, you know, talking to him on the weekends on the phone, and he's like, "You got to come out to Montana, blah blah blah." So we arranged it. I, sp- I would start spending summers out there, and he lived in Nine Mile Valley, Montana, on like a little 30, 40 acre chunk of land, up in the hills, nice, very removed from civilization. So I went from living in Central Illinois, growing up in the suburbs, like as a kid, suburbs of St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Central Illinois, Bloomington, Illinois, kind of a uh, city kid thrown into the mountains. Gotcha. And my only way to get around, only form of transportation, was my dad's, uh, I don't remember the name of the, like, the brand, the company or anything, but it's just mountain bike. Yeah. And it was <laughs> generic he, mountain bike. Yeah, just some, <laughs> he got it like one of those hunting stores is like supposed yeah. like the hunting mountain bike he had like rifle oh, racks sure. on the handlebars you know this is man early 90s okay 
and the thing was just I just beat that thing up and down this dirt road, go from where my where my house was to the swimming hole at yeah. Nine Mile Creek, meet up with all the local kids. We'd go swim, fish, and uh, I guess never really had much as a kid, mm-hmm. and other than like a few you know junk bikes, nothing crazy, doing little curb stoppies, you know, just uh, didn't really have my eyes open to what was possible sure. with a bicycle until after. Well, a lot of people didn't in the early 90s. Yeah, and, <laughs> um, you know, growing up very kind of secluded in yeah. Montana, I skateboarded and snowboarded. Okay. That was my two hobbies that my dad said, hey, you're going to get to choose hmm. a couple things, skateboard and snowboard. Yep. And a uh, there's a train wreck, a Montana Rail Lake train derailed, spilled chlorine gas everywhere. Oh, my God. And we were in no way affected, but they closed the interstate off, so I couldn't go home. Oh. And my dad was away on a business trip. Well, Montana Rail Link settled, like, some crazy amount just for me, for, like, uh, oh. being displaced. Because my dad's, like, my dad was on a work trip. So I used that to buy skateboards and snowboards. <laughs> and <Wow. laughs> he's like, do what you want. Yeah. And I had like a little, like little beat up little Honda trail, 125. Wait, how old bike. were you when that happened? <laughs> 13, 14. Okay. And, uh, mm-hmm. so I had, you know, just, just growing up in a kid getting chased by bears and getting chased by mountain lions in the mountains of Montana oh, man. and do doing equal chasing on this little beat up Honda dirt bike that, you know, yeah. the dual shocks in the back, old, like, 1970 little dirt bike. Sure. Beating that thing all like over. Like a Trail the... 90 or something? Or it was a... a Trail 125. Oh, 125. Yep. Okay. All right. I, I rode that thing to the exhaust fell off. Yeah. And chain broke. It all just got, started falling apart all at once. <laughs> and then around that time, I uh, joined the Marine Corps in 97. Okay. And got stationed in... So right at 18? Yep. I, I was in the delayed entry program uh, at the age of 16. And joined the Marines uh, when I was still 17, turned 18 in boot camp. Okay. Kept it a secret from everybody so I didn't get messed with in boot camp. Mm. And then uh, (laughs) after completing all my training to be an infantryman in the Marines, I got stationed at Camp Pendleton, California. Okay. I think it was 98 is when the X Games was in Oceanside, California, right Mm -hmm. downtown Oceanside, California. Gotcha. And that's when I saw a 12-foot vert ramp. Uh-huh. What they had is the uh, the street ramps at the time. Yeah. And that's for BMX. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And uh, saw these guys trying to huck down these this big, huge staircase in downtown Oceanside. Mm-hmm. And I saw all these different people trying it. And this kid who I, I met later in life named Adam Bulkus sent it almost to the bottom. Local Oceanside kid. Sent it almost to the bottom, blew out, like, blew off his bike, flatted both tires, but Matt Hoffman set him up on the spot. Wow. And, like, I was just mesmerized by the whole, like, this whole BMX culture. Sure. And <laughs> after the X game was over, I went to Allen's Family Bike Shop that was right there on Coast Highway in Oceanside, bought the Dave Mira Haro edition nice. bike, uh-huh. and... Figured I was going to learn this uh-huh. at and 18. 18. So very late and in the military. Yep. 18 yep. in the military. Mm-hmm. I don't have any history of uh, riding seriously as a kid. Just sure. you know, just being a hood hoodlum kid riding around on his bike with a BB gun. That's all I was growing up. <laughs> you know. Uh, 
Yes. That all sounds very familiar. <laughs> okay. I don't know if you've seen the movie Gummo, but there's there's scenes in, in the movie Gummo that bring me back to my childhood. Okay. Uh, Good to know. But uh, <laughs> just cruising on a on a bike with a BB gun shoelace to your back, that's kind of uh-huh. how, how how my, my childhood was. Nice. Um, yeah, it just it kind of started there, and I had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't know how to bunny hop, didn't know how to do anything, and I just started... Uh, hopping on the Oceanside Transit Center bus from Camp Pendleton out in the Oceanside on the weekends, and I started like seeing these guys doing flatland. Mm. So I tried the flatland thing for a bit, and I'm not very balance coordinated, like, sure. but I, I I could do some basic stuff. And I started hanging out with all these flatland guys, and we'd cruise all over SoCal on Any the weekends. Names come to mind? I I don't remember. I've hit that- my head so many times. I've I don't remember. That's okay. Um, but at this time, I don't. I don't remember names. Like they, I just. They were just like the the local Flatlander guys. Okay. And we'd go from Oceanside all the way down to like Ocean Beach, and I'd sit and just watch these guys do Flatland demonstrations. And hundreds of people on the beach would just like crowd around them, mm-hmm. and they're bar surfing, doing you know, doing all the like the the cool Flatland tricks at the time. Sure. And I'm just over there trying to like sketch, you know, like do like the little. 180 in the front pegs and sketch backwards and grab my seat, fall down, cuss a little bit. And these guys are just getting like dollar bills thrown at them. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Like yeah. this, you know, there's, there's something in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like started trying to ride. I, I did that, like just kind of messing around really, not really getting into it. And I actually got out of the Marines in June of 2001 and uh, my dad moved from Montana back to the Midwest, back to Missouri, because I have a half-sister that uh, lives out there. And, you know, she's the one that had the family. I'm single, black sheep. Gotcha. And so I got out of the Marines, had nothing going on, so I just went back to the Midwest. Okay. And I, I, don't, I don't remember what bike I had at the time, but it was like 10 o'clock at night in Quincy, Illinois, and I'm just out trying to do something it was kind of cold out i was like you know i don't remember like what time of year but it's kind of chilly out and this group of guys pull up in this car they're like hey man you ride bikes i was like obviously yeah. i'm on a bike <laughs> they're like no like seriously you're like, still on the haro at this point i don't i was like i think it might have been a, a torker like a gt torker okay. i don't remember still on a bmx bike. yeah yeah anyway. still yeah. still 20 inch gotcha um and I ended up meeting up with these guys from Quincy, Illinois, BMX guys, and they were called themselves the Midwest Militia. Okay. And there's a bunch <laughs> of, you know, like-minded kids, like, age, you know, I was probably, like, one of the oldest, down to, like, 14-year-old, and they had this school that was, like, they're going to remodel into office complexes, but the, the basement of it was theirs, and they were going to build an indoor skate park. Nice. And it was we called it old school ramp park, uh-huh. and in a got, basement, in a basement of a in a gymnasium of a school. Okay, and that was the I, th- I would say that was the first time I dropped in on a, on a half pipe, first time I jumped the spine, first time I jumped the box. And now you're nineteen, twenty, something like that. Um, twenty two. Okay, All right. and like like it's two thousand. One like two thousand one and the two thousand two time frame. I love hearing late start stories because that's yeah. that's mine. Okay, I, right yeah. on. Yeah, I didn't ride BMX bikes as a kid either. I didn't. My first 
uh, mountain bike, I got it uh, for 19 or something. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, and I, you know, I've already done four years in the military at that time, and uh-huh. all, Eben Fisher, he was he's the was like the big local kid, and he was he blew up for a while in the BMX scene. Okay. Um, I remember following by behind him one night when we were just riding back, like riding street. And he, he had to manual four or five city blocks. Just stayed up in a manual on a gradual nice. downhill. It was like four or five city blocks. And yeah. the, the brain on this kid, just that he was an awesome artist. And his ability just to, like, break a trick down and get it done, uh-huh. I, was, I was amazed. Like, that's still something I don't have. That's awesome. And there was a lot of good, a lot of good riders that came out of there. And we had a big influence from Rick Malterno and all of the... Uh, the standard guys from up in Iowa, they would mm-hmm. come down and ride with us. And then the Tree Bikes guys, the Tree Bicycle Company from St. Louis, okay. uh, they had their own indoor ramp park in th- this really weird area of St. Louis. There was like this all-black 1% biker gang that had their headquarters next door to the skate, like the original part of the skate park. It was, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of the uh, the park in, that was in St. Louis, but I started just like... I lived there for a little bit, and all my weekends when I wasn't working, just bouncing around between Davenport, Iowa, Quincy, Illinois. We'd go out to Peoria, ride all the little skate parks. Mm-hmm. And I'm still, like, learning but trying to progress because I'm riding some really good guys. Sure. And so I'm trying to, like, learn how to air out. I had lip tricks down. I had all the foofanoos, the ice picks, the nose picks. <laughs> I had all these, like, lip tricks on six-foot ramps down, yeah. you know, and uh, just – couldn't get airing i had always like i would always pull away from the coping and just slam the flat that was like my mo sure so i kind of just stuck to grinding handrails grinding ledges you know just doing street stuff and mess around a little bit in the ramp well then 9-11 happened and shortly after Mm 9-11 i get a call get called back into the marine corps Mm -hmm. and they're like uh we're gonna send you to camp pendleton and go from there get you in process back into the military and all that stuff because if people don't know if you do a four-year active duty contract in the military you have four years of what they call irr or individual ready reserve okay so you can be called up at any time yep. and of course 9-11 we were going into afghanistan to destabilize the taliban so they needed some troop numbers yep. and i i was like sure i'm you know i'll go back in yeah so I thought I was going to go to war. You know, I was like, all right, you know, I'm. this is what I joined the Marine Corps for. Mm-hmm. I get stationed in Hawaii. Mm. Kaneohe Bay, Hawaii, working with the military police unit. Okay. Uh, I brought maybe like three changes of clothes, some VHS, uh, mountain, like Little Devil, or not mountain bike videos, BMX videos. Yeah. And my BMX bike in a box. That's what I went to... Back in the Marine Corps with was my BMX bike. I think I had a S&M. I, I upgraded to an S&M then because okay. I, I learned what street, like these guys showed me what's good street bikes, like like build your own bike, get your own parts, yep. not just go to a bike shop and be like, I want that complete right. bike, you know, right. try to customize it. It's a good place to start, but, yep. but at some point you need to customize it. Yeah, so I, I was running something S&M. I've been uh, S&M and Terrible One. Uh, bikes for BMX since uh, I found out what those companies were. You gotcha. Know? Um, I think 
watching the old Etnies Forward video made me sell all of my S&M stuff and buy Terrible One stuff because I saw Joe Rich and Taj Mahalich. Those guys, when I saw that video, I was like, I love Chris Muller and S&M, but T1 badass. <laughs> so, But anyways, I, uh, I move out to Hawaii with you know, a ProTech helmet and a BMX bike. Bought a little beater, um, I think it was a Volkswagen Squareback. Okay. Put a bike rack on the back of it and started trying to find all the local spots. Like, cool. End up meeting a really good core group of BMX riders. Uh, I can't remember his last name. Cedric, his brother John, um, Big Island Mike, Mike, es- or not Mike, me, uh, Mike Castillo, okay. big name in the BMX community. Okay. I met him. I met all the bicycle factory guys, all the the shoots bra BMX guys, you know, this all these core BMX guys and we were just we were a tight group. Like yeah. we were very diverse. Like there was a lot of like Hawaiians and you know there was a couple of of us military guys, you know, we were like the the Howleys, the white guys of the sure. crew, you know. Yeah. And we just get together and just go cruise street every Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. And sometimes during a week at night, we'd meet up at a skate park and just just throw down, just have fun. All different skill levels. I was always kind of like the middle guy. I was never the super talented. Like, I had this friend, Ryan Kubakungan. We called him the horse because he could jump bunny hop over anything. Oh, wow. He could get a peg on anything. Nice. Like, <laughs> like uh, I've got some old – I was trying to make an old video back in the day. And I have a like a still shot somewhere of him grinding this ledge that's easily shoulder high over these little Japanese tourists, and they're all like, ah, like freaked out. Like I was sat there with just a camera and just took a picture of it. Nice. And uh, I, yeah, those I don't, I'd like to see what those guys are up to these days and see if they're still riding. But um, we could fa- you know fast forward to the mountain bike thing, but. Uh, so I did two years in Hawaii. Suffice, suffice it to say, you were you were deep into into BMX. Yep, um, BMX was that's my those are my roots. Okay, uh, just mm-hmm. street BMX, street and skate park BMX. Mm-hmm. Get out of the Marines. What year? Two thousand four, late two thousand, or I guess yeah, late two thousand four. So you do a full three years. I did two years, two thousand two to two thousand four, because I okay. got called in after nine eleven, like gotcha. kind of around December time oh, frame. Right, right, right. right. Um, September, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, I could have gone back to the Midwest, mm-hmm. but when I out processed from the Marine Corps, they gave me a ticket to fly back to the Midwest. I said no thanks, and I stayed in Oceanside, California. Wow. Uh, was homeless for a while, sleeping on couches for a while, mm-hmm. trying to find jobs. There's really no translatable job for an infantryman mm-hmm. in the Marine Corps sure. that knows kill, kill, kill yep. in the civilian world. Mm-hmm. Like, it it doesn't transfer over. I was cleaning swimming pools, uh, construction, you name it. I was doing anything I could to try to stay living in Southern California. Mm-hmm. And one day at Oceanside Skate Park, R.I.P., old Oside Skate Park. Okay. I ran into this guy named Adam Watkins. Love you, Adam. Uh, still consider him one of my best friends of this day. He awesome. He was on a level of, or still is on a level of bike riding that I could only aspire to be. Mm-hmm. 
but he didn't look down on me because I didn't have his skill set. He didn't look down on me because I was military. He didn't look down on me because I was sleeping on people's couches. He just wanted to ride bikes. Yeah. And we bonded really, really well. We were pretty much inseparable for quite a few, like a couple of years living in SoCal. Yeah, we had our moments. You know, best friends have their moments. It happens. And I just, uh, like, I got real big with this church group disclaimer i'm i i I went through this this part of my life where uh i thought religion was the answer to Mm -hmm. try to find happiness sure and i'm not knocking it i had a really good time met some good people and i was supposed to do this uh tour called the 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 last days tour Mm -hmm. and they brought me on as like a manager for all of the extreme sports athletes extreme sports athletes okay it kind of fell apart and that that was that, mm-hmm. and uh, so. So you're out of the military and looking, yep. kind of looking for answers. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm just out of the military at this time. I hadn't been. Hold up. I have to talk to the police. We're doing a pod. I said I'm all right, and we're we're back on. <laughs> yeah. So I was. Uh, that was that was awesome. I was uh, just trying to you know find answers and. Um, I still riding, but I was, I had some other, you know, like I said, I hadn't been to any type of conflict. Mm -hmm. I think I was more angry that I didn't see action, any, any type of combat because Mm -hmm. that's what I joined the military for. Sure. And so I was holding a lot of resentment Uh and I'm still trying to ride. And then like, it was definitely affecting me. It affected a lot of my friends. Um, Hmm. I was going through some hard times in California. So I thought going back into the military, would A, get me out of California, B, get me a steady paycheck again. Yeah. So I went to all the recruiters, decided to go in the Army to be a medic. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, I just, again, I had a, a friend that let me put all my stuff. Like, I had a little Ford Ranger pickup that had a topper on it. I, I fit everything I own in the bed of that pickup truck <laughs> and went to Fort Sam Houston, Texas, to for you know go go back into the army or go into the army and to go to the medic advanced individual training and all I brought was a small little suitcase of clothes and a BMX bike. Okay. And uh, all my free time was spent like I anyone that knows San Antonio, Texas, I would pedal out from two three two medical training battalion out of Fort Sam Houston. And pedal all the way to Lady Bird Johnson Skate Park okay. on a 20-inch BMX bike. And that's how, how far? Easily eight miles one way. <laughs> and I would oh leave at the butt crack of dawn Saturday morning yeah. and go ride all day. There was an indoor park there, too, around that same area, and just go ride all day. Again, met some really cool people. Like That's one thing is like I always tell people that with bicycles, I, I'm pretty sure I could go to almost any modern or decent sized town mm-hmm. in the United States, go to a bike shop. And if I wanted, I could find a couch to sleep on that night. That's sure. You know, that's, I, I was like, you know, within any type of sport, there's just that, like you get it no matter what skill level, there's just that, that core bit. And you, you can mean find of a like connection. Of, yeah. Connection and camaraderie. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I've done moto motocross. I race quads I've done mixed martial arts. 
I've done a little bit of CrossFit, you know, and all of those, when you embrace the pains of getting shinners and breaking <laughs> bones yep. and going head over heels, tomahawking down a trail, everyone's done it and it's a shared experience and it's yeah. what you all, and it, and that kind of like segues into ride it out. It's, uh, guys get out of the military and they lose that sense of team and that sense of self. Sure. And I only really found it, even though I'm still in, I only really found like a piece of myself on a bicycle. That's been like a solid staple in my life. Mm -hmm. You know, living in SoCal, I don't have a job. I've got bills due. Stressing out. Just go to the skate park. Just go ride. Whether I'm just pumping transitions and doing little lip tricks all day, just go ride. Mm -hmm. You know. Nice. Um, So, yeah, I joined the Army in Medic AIT. Met some really cool people, and then I get stationed in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Okay. Not much going on BMX-wise in, in, Fort Bragg. in Fayetteville, North Carolina. There's some dirt jumps that are <laughs> behind this cinema, behind this theater, um, but I would go up to, I think it was Greenville, North Carolina, where Dave Mira, Nyquist, and a whole bunch of the, the <laughs> pros <do>. lived. <laughs> and they had the JC's Park. If you watch old Dave Mira stuff, if you see him uh, airing out of ramps and doing tricks, and there's, like, these pine trees in the back, and there's, like, this gr- this fence with the green uh, don't impale yourself guard around the top of the chain link fence. Right. That's the JC Park. That's the Dave okay. Mira Park. That's, I'll, I'll put that in show notes. I'll put video of that, of that in show notes. Yeah, I, I don't... It, it, it's got to be out there. That's... Absolutely. Anything um, Dave Mira's yep. going to be. Uh, so... Yeah, I I started riding there and met some again met really cool people. Met Dave Muir, met Ryan Nyquist, met you know all these top level guys and uh, BMX still part of my life. Yeah. So I go, I'm finally deploy, get my first combat tour. Two thousand seven. Uh-huh. Was uh, Iraq? We went to Iraq. I was a the, I was a medic with the military police unit out of Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Okay. Um, we go as a company. So real real quick, um, medic. So how how long is the training to to get to that to that point where you sixteen can go? weeks sixteen weeks mm-hmm. of training? And what I'm I'm sure there are positions within that. So what was your position? I was a platoon medic. So okay. uh, a company has it depends on size but you know three to four platoons okay and usually each platoon has a medic okay uh we deployed shorthanded we had three medics for uh four platoons and a headquarters element for this uh this military police company we deployed very shorthanded like even though the the army was allowing anybody that could put fog on a mirror to enlist in the army at that time because of the surge yeah we still deployed probably with the bare minimum to meet mission for gotcha. that uh, 15-month deployment. And that was 15 months straight, no bicycle. Because mm. I, we get to Iraq, we're in, we're in country for like three months, and I was the first one to, in my platoon to take mid-tour leave. Okay. And we were only supposed to do... So when I left, it was 12-month tour. When I came back from my two weeks of mid-tour leave, we got extended. So I did the math. I'm like, I'm doing a, a year in Iraq without a day off. Wow. You know, because how the, how the math worked out, I did a year 
in Iraq without any reprieve. Gotcha. Um, it was a hard job. I was still kind of junior rank at the time. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't have much of a leg to stand on as trying to fight for myself or my other two medics mm-hmm. to be medics. Like we got integrated. We became MPs. We became combat MPs. I was driving a lead gun truck for a long time. I gunned for a little. I was a a 50-cal gunner for a while when we were shorthanded. You became an MP because they were shorthanded on MPs? Well, that's just kind of how a medic uh, in a line unit. Multiple duties. Yeah, unless unless they work, unless they, like a medic works in a clinic or a hospital. Yeah. They kind of become what the MOS or the, the, the unit they're supporting Okay, MOS. Military Occupational Specialty. Okay. <laughs> they kind of become that. So, All right. Um, like, look at, I'm sorry, one more stupid boneheaded question. Actually, I'll probably have a lot of them about the military. But um, uh, how many people in a platoon? Again, it depends. Okay. You're looking at 20 to 30 per okay. platoon. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. Go on. No, it's okay. And uh, so I was, you know, I was doing a lot of ancillary jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, not only was I... I felt ultimately responsible for the health and well-being of all the guys in my platoon. I was kind of doing, as an E4 specialist in the Army, kind of doing the whole company senior medic thing because our company senior medic that we had went home on a family emergency and never came back. Mm. Like, just stayed at a family care plant, something with his family, Mm. never never came back out. And uh, I've always kind of been... That like a, an independent person. I think that's why bicycles really mm-hmm. jive with me because yeah. it's as much as you ride with friends, it's, it's an, an individual. individual. That's right. Very much individual effort. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I can look back and that's why it's an equalizer. By the way, yeah. that's why the 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 high school football jock he'll probably never keep up with you on the trail, right? Which which is awesome. You know, um, a lot of people love that about yeah, cy- cycling it, in general. Yeah. I I just yeah. out, the out, the outdoors itself, it's not a team event. Yeah. Like you can survive as a team mm-hmm. only if the individual puts an in effort. Yeah. You know, it's being outdoors is an individual effort. Trail building as much as Evergreen and all those guys get teams together to build trails you're still one man with a tool that one woman with a tool really doing you know doing your part so yep. um so yeah that's so, funny i was just out on a uh out at south SeaTac digging with my buddy mike mike, mike arnie Orsta? oh arnie? Yeah, mike arnie and he uh, uh he's actually an old bmx guy but now he writes 26 um very well frankly anyway yeah i mean uh, he rides bigger jumps than I do. So we're both digging, but he's across the park <laughs> digging mm-hmm. on these huge lifts and I'm digging on the smaller stuff. So yeah, very individual. Well, like I dig a lot of my digging time out here has been with my friend, Brian, mm-hmm. Brian Connolly. Uh-huh. Yeah. He is a ninja on a bike. He is, sure. uh, he is, he's in his own zone, own level. And <laughs> I'm proud to call him a friend. I'm proud that he calls me up and wants to ride. Yeah. Cause that's awesome. Man, watching that like the two seconds I get to watch him ride before he <laughs> before he's gone. pulls away from me is <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, in Iraq, Saul Saul and did some things in Iraq that uh, will probably quote unquote haunt me, stick with me forever. Uh, I guess when I I 
I first experienced someone dying in my hands. Mm-hmm. It was a uh, five-year-old kid, completely like in some type of anaphylactic shock reaction. Something his airway was completely seized up. He was like jaw was clenched so tight he was biting through his tongue. I couldn't get any type of airway on him, mm-hmm. and I looked at my uh, platoon sergeant. I was like, "We need to get to him hot to a hospital." now yeah um they're like well what can you do doc i was like i don't you know i'm just i'm a regular army medic i don't have i don't carry medications other than over-the-counter tylenol motrin yeah uh i was like i don't know like at that time i didn't know what this uh this baby was afflicted with and i was like only way i'm gonna be able to get him to breathe is i'm gonna cut a hole in his neck and stick a a nasal pharyngeal airway or an MPA because I didn't have a crack kit for an infant, for a kid. Um, so I did. I cracked him, and he still expired on me, sitting on my in my lap in the back of the Humvee as we were driving to the Iraqi hospital. And that was like probably like two weeks in country, mm-hmm. and you know this is during the height of. Just, was that a fighting related um, incident no, at all? No, this was this was like we were sitting in an Iraqi police station. Yeah, and this lady she saw our Humvees roll in, mm-hmm. and 15 minutes later walks up to the pedestrian gate of this Iraqi police station. Is like I know you guys. There's an American medic. You know, there's Americans in here. Yeah. Help my baby. Yeah, and they just brought this kid to me, mm-hmm. and I was like, uh. Did you ever find out what the cause of his? Um, some, some type of like febrile seizure, a mm. uh, real bad mm. seizure, uh, from uh, maybe what caused by a poison or a I don't insect know, like, or something. Uh, yeah. I, the, my, my interpreter's trying oh. to tell me that he was stung by something. Uh-huh. Uh, he did have some edema, so some facial swelling, mm-hmm. some like, uh, swelling in his neck, which made trying to get a crike on him very, very difficult. Gotcha. Probably the most difficult. Uh, surgical airway I've ever had to put into a human being. Oh man! Um, but okay. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so That's... do that whole deployment, and while I'm there, I re-enlist to be a flight medic, and I get stationed in Central America. So this is where wow, this is where I get my first mountain bike. Uh, okay. Oh. <laughs> it was a uh, whatever the specialized. Uh, dirt jumper bike was i can't remember okay what year is this it, it was a, it was an 04 or 05 bike but this was 2000 <laughs> i meant this i meant being transferred to central america oh uh 2008 <laughs> okay all right gotcha so you, you were in iraq for 15 months okay. from basically okay. like just the 50, middle of yeah. 06 yeah. until somewhere in 08 and then i re-enlist get the job as a flight medic, go to flight medic school at Fort Rucker, Alabama, and then go straight down to Honduras and get stationed in Honduras for two years as a flight medic. Gotcha. Um, and that's when I bought a mountain bike off a guy there because I brought my BMX bike with me, mm-hmm. but there's nowhere to ride a BMX bike in Comayagua, <laughs> Honduras. <laughs> right. But there are lots of really tall mountains with some pretty rough cut roads. Nice. So I had this hardtail... Uh, specialized mountain bike I want to I don't remember what their dirt jumper bike was called but it, anyway it was that and it had you know hardtail with a 
Marzocchi fork on it. And on the weekends, this other guy that had a full suspension mountain bike. Was it maybe a P3 or a, P, yeah, a P1? A P, a, a P, P something. Yeah, a it was P one bike. of the P series. Okay. Yep. Um, but Early the, production dirt jumper. Yeah. I mean, yeah, 2008. Yeah. <laughs> or five. It was, it was an 0405. Yeah. It, was, it was like flat blue. Yeah, probably a P1. Um, but yeah, we used to rent a little pickup truck and drive this pickup truck up to the top of this point we called Tacan. We had a helicopter landing zone up there. And it had to be, you know, 10,000, 12,000 foot peak because Comayagua the, or uh, Sotocano, the base was at 6,000 feet. Uh-huh. And we just used, still had my same ProTech helmet that I had since uh-huh. I started riding BMX. And we would just bomb down this road. Awesome. And uh, so that was the, the first uh, mountain bike I had. And while wow, I was, so you're basically doing downhill on a on a um, yeah. A dirt jumper. I didn't know any better. I, I didn't know any better. <laughs> front front shocks only. Yeah, front yeah. shocks only. Flat yeah. pedals. Wearing uh, some Etni skate shoes, uh-huh. and uh, just just having fun. Just doing what um, we we could do to have fun yeah. out out there. You know, stuck in Honduras. Yeah. So I was there for two years. And while I was there, I applied to become a special operations medic. Okay. And get uh, selected to go to the special operations combat medic course, or SOCOM, mm-hmm. back at Fort Bragg. Fort Bragg is like the home of special operations for the Army. Okay. And so didn't, like, I was there for like 11, 12 months. Didn't ride bikes very much, but I got into racing quads. I raced the Grand National Cross Country on quads. Mm-hmm. See, like, the other underlying thing is, as a kid, I didn't have much. Right. So, as an adult, when I had my own paycheck, yeah. I'm, I think I've, I'm still kind of am making up for all those childhood experiences <laughs> that I couldn't have. You and me both. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, on a whim, buy this four-wheeler. Mm-hmm. and just riding some trails. And then I was like, you know, I've got a little bit of competitive nature, so I was looking up on the Internet about, uh, like, hair scramble racing. Okay. Did my first hair scramble race, Mideast Hair Scramble Series, hit a tree, lap one, completely almost ripped the whole driver, like the right-hand side of my quad off, and I was hooked. Yeah. I started just, like, throwing money into quad racing. I built this, like, pro-level race quad nice. and got decent at racing quads. I've got some on my YouTube channel. i got some old hel- helmet cam footage of me riding my quad. Cool. Like, through some, like, some trees that are 46 inches wide going 20, 30 miles an hour wow. sideways through trees. Nice. It, pretty, it was fun. I'll put all that stuff in show notes. Okay, awesome. Link to your, your uh, YouTube channel. And, uh... Yeah, so I did my time there, graduated the medic course, and got stationed with my first special operations unit, uh, 160th Special Operations Aviation Regiment, and uh, probably I've, I've always wanted to be a 160th medic since I saw a video about them when I was in AIT at Fort Sam Houston. Okay. So I kind of like reached a pinnacle, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so I get... Stationed here in Fort Lewis at with uh, 4th Battalion 160th mm-hmm. as my uh, first special operations unit. And this is like 2012 time frame. Now, and now it's now called uh, Joint Base Joint Lewis Base Lewis McCord. McCord. Yep. Yeah. 
but back then it was still Fort Lewis. I think it was because McCord was separate. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, there's still people call it Fort Lewis. Lewis. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I'm at, I'm here, and I'm seeing like I fell in, like I remember coming over Snoqualmie Pass, and as soon as I I got out of like the Clay Ellum area because yep. that's kind of how I grew up and that kind of mm-hmm. arid pine environment of Western Montana is kind of the same as Clay Ellum. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I crested Snoqualmie Pass and I started coming down <laughs> in, I was like, you got this hit with the- is amazing. You got hit with the trees. Oh, I was like, it's <laughs> I was like, ta- I remember talking to, I was talking to my dad on the phone. As That's I was a coming really down the pass. stark difference in, in climate, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, dad, it's raining. It's, it was, uh, like February, March, February, March, 2012 timeframe. Yeah. I was like, it's raining. It's cloudy. But. It is so gosh darn green. Yeah. And I was like, this place is amazing. Yeah, it's for anyone who hasn't um, done this drive, going up over I-90, like going from west, from western Washington to eastern Washington, it feels more gradual. It's like, it's like you, you drive, yeah, eventually you're in the desert. But coming the other way, you're at the top of this hill, and at some point you're looking at this wall, this massive wall of green, and oftentimes a massive wall of clouds that goes with it. Mm-hmm. And you just go from this total desert environment to a total forest, semi-rainforest, mountainous, um, dense green. Yeah. It's it's yeah. really, even for me, every time. I've been oh. doing it since I was a kid, and every time I come across just, it, I'm like, holy shit. Just coming coming across <laughs> uh, last week or whenever I came over, I like... <laughs> go by the lake, go down over, like, past uh, Alpental and yep. Snoqualmie Pass Ski Resort. And on that downhill, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Like this. Like, it just goes. It's yeah. awesome. You, you got to come visit, whoever's listening. Yep. got to come visit. Come to Cascadia. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, yeah, so I'm in Afghanistan on a deployment. We're, we were kind of, we were real busy for a winter deployment. Mm-hmm. Um, we were real busy. I think it was like probably early 2000 or winter 2013. Yeah, because it took me a while to get uh, mission qualified. Because even though I went to the special operations medic course, mm-hmm. our unit has a lot of requirements to actually deploy okay. because we support some of the best of the best that the world has to offer as far as special operations troops. And gotcha. they, we have to be. A game medically, a game logistically, a game strategically before we can go and be part of this machine that has made a science out of war fighting. Sure. So, uh, I'm in my first deployment. We had some downtime. I think we got weathered out. We couldn't fly. It was like a, this big, really big storm came in, like low clouds, and the drones that fly overhead they couldn't. Uh, penetrate through the clouds to see anything so we don't if we don't have like levels of safety we don't go play right and i'm on the internet looking at mountain bikes <laughs> and i i signed up for this uh i think it's now it's called experticity but it was promotive back in the day okay and it afforded me 50 percent off of anything in diamondbacks product line oh nice so this is like November, December time frame. I ordered a Diamondback scapegoat, full full build, like top of the line build. Fox, I think it was right when they first, Fox first started making the, the air shock, because it seems like I've always been a year behind the most advanced mountain bike technology. Gotcha. Because I get this 26-inch wheel, 36, <laughs> Fox 36 fork, mm-hmm. float shock that 
didn't have the CTD or didn't have the the lockout switch. Gotcha. But it, I had Saint brakes. I'm actually still running the same Saint brakes from that bike. Really? On my Norco okay. right now. It's because it's not broke. Don't fix it. Yeah. But those brakes still stop on a dime. Oh, cool. Good to know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it came with everything. I get back from that deployment. It sat in the it sat in the box in my garage until like springtime came. Okay. I was like, I'm gonna build this thing up. So I I built it, and uh, it kind of came already complete. I just had to, you know, run a derailleur cable, and sure. I looked on YouTube and how to mm-hmm. align and tension and put the brake rotors on. And I want to say the first mountain bike trail I ever rode was down in Capitol Forest. Okay. Like here in Washington, first mountain bike trail I ever rode in Washington. In the Olymp- Olympia, Washington area. Yep. And Amazing place. I was I got just lost there once for ten hours. <laughs> it can happen. I uh, I just started looking online and I like searched like mountain bike trails Olympia, uh-huh. and friends of Capital Forest came up. Sure. And uh, I started looking on their uh, their forum, mm-hmm. and I knew that you had to park at this. I knew where the the trail the parking lot at the bottom of the trailhead was. I had a I had a midday like a weekday off work. Okay. So I went out there, parked at the bottom, and on this Diamondback scapegoat, pedaled my butt all the way to the top of Capitol <laughs> Peak to do Green Line 6. Nice. And I was like, gosh darn. I got to the top, and I didn't even want to ride. Right. Because right. I was worn out. Because that bike <laughs> was not very pedal efficient. And I didn't know any, I didn't know any better. Sure. You know, this is all pre-dropper post, pre-everything yep. <laughs> that makes climbing a slack bike yeah, that Easy would have been days. what a 2012 or 13. It bike? was a 2012 <laughs> Diamondback scapegoat. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there, and is that a is the scapegoat like a downhill or aggressive trail? Would you it say? Would, I think they were marking it as like kind of like a a free ride, okay. aggressive like like mini downhill style. Bike. I'll put the details in show notes, but I'm just curious because, um, well, anyway, pedaling efficiency was it was already a thing, but it wasn't all that widespread mm-hmm. as of yet and and, a, and a, of course if it's a downhill or free ride bike then they're not even working on that yeah, right it's it was just, it was uh it's not really for climbing but. yeah <laughs> so yeah pedaled all the way up nice and did a run down green line six all the way to the bottom uh-huh and i was so like instantly hooked on it that i pedaled back up again wow. i spent the whole day <laughs> I, there was a lot of walking in there. There's quite a bit of walking, but I pushed, pedaled all the way back up to Capitol Peak and did Green Line Six a second time. Uh-huh. And then I start, you know, I looked on the Friends of Capitol Forest uh, website and found out they had these work parties. Oh, I was like, okay. oh. sure. So, and, and I'm and during this this time, do you know Court Cortland Capwell? Yeah. Okay. He probably doesn't remember me, but I remember him. Sure. Uh, and I was like. Still dealing with um, some stuff from that that initial deployment. My unit, like I said, we were busy. I was busy. You know, when when the medic's busy, mm-hmm. it makes makes things interesting. So I'm still kind of like trying to decompress that uh, those issues, and and trying to ride bikes. So you know, anybody that had to deal with my volatile state mm. back then, and you may be listening, I apologize. Mm. I'm <laughs> I'm a much calmer person now mm-hmm. uh but yeah so i i did a couple uh a couple work parties with friends of capital forest and um then i heard about evergreen mm-hmm. 
And so, like, I can't leave out this key part of my mountain bike story. I hear about Duthie Hill. So I'm like, I'm going to take my Diamondback scapegoat to Duthie Hill. Because I saw some, like, videos on YouTube and all that. Yeah. And I'm sitting on the, I just get there. Haven't even done a run yet. Sitting on the top of Voodoo Child. I've got a full face 661 helmet on. Yeah. And there's these two guys at the top of Voodoo Child talking. I started talking to them. One of them's my buddy Matt, uh, whose uh, house I'm staying at now. Okay. And he's like, yeah, let's let's do some runs. So I'm following these guys down Voodoo Child. First time at those two little tables at the bottom. First, like, built jumps I ever hit on a mountain bike, really. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, then he showed me, we went and explored some of the other stuff on at Duthie Hill. And my friend Matt and I became friends. He's like, yeah, hit me up if you ever want to go ride. Cool. So I hit him up. He's like, you ever uh, done downhill? I was like, no. He's like, well, there's this place called Stevens Pass mm-hmm. that's not too far from here. And he was living in uh, Bellevue. Yeah, Bellevue at the time. And he's like, just meet me in Bellevue. And we'll cruise up on my truck. So Stevens Pass was the first time I did anything lift access mountain bike. Okay. And we, you know, we did a couple of rock crusher runs, and he took me down Wookie, and I'm on my scapegoat still. Right. You know, and like, I was, you know, hook in the mouth, like reeling me in. I'm, I'm, <laughs> this going fast down steep technical and jump yeah. trail stuff. This is, like, that that finally fired something in my brain. Yeah. That helped dealing with the stress of my job and the stress of everything I've dealt with in the past that help it all just, I, I it just clar- it clarified it all. I was, cause I can think about that stuff while I'm riding. I can think about it and, and process it and just, you know, work through it while I'm riding. And I can't be angry when I'm riding. I can't, I can't dwell on the negativities of some of the stuff I've seen and done while I'm trying to survive on a steep pitch technical trail. Oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. And I've I've always said, yep, I'm going to go ride it out. You know, like that's yeah. what I've always told myself. You know, that's where my whole ride it out thing came from. Gotcha. And so, yeah, he takes me to Stevens. And then I was like, I got to get a downhill bike. <laughs> and he's like, just look on Pink Bike. I'm like, what's Pink Bike? So I'm like, find out what Pink Bike is. I'm like, Shangri-La. Yeah. And I'm like, there's so many bikes for sale. <laughs> and I, I was like, I, I would like, I'm pretty sure I annoyed the crap out of him because I was like texting him like links. Like, what about this bike? Sure. What about this bike? Sure. And he's like, nah, that's old school geometry. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Well, I found a, a Commonsall Supreme DH 2009 model. Nice. That the guy was selling for like 900 bucks. I met him at Southgate Mall, did the transaction. Mm-hmm. I knew nothing about downhill bikes. This mm-hmm. thing was clapped out. Oh, so if, you, if you're listening, <laughs> you, you got me. Oh. I replaced, I had to replace every bearing and every oh. pivot, rebuild the fork, rebuild the shock. Two grand later. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I go back to Stevens on this thing. <clears throat> That sure. you know, eight inch travel bike. I was like, oh, what? Like, caca. like this. I was yeah. like, man. Like, I'm still going slow because, like, trying to read trail. So like, this is 2015 or 2013. So? Oh, 13. Yep. Still. So was Stevens officially open yet, or was that yeah, they like had, pre? I think they had. They were they were open, but they had Rock Crusher, mm-hmm. Slingshot Wookie, and Lycan it, and that okay. was it. Okay. Lycan and it, it was rough. It, it was all rough. Yeah. 
And yeah, very. It was in their infancy. Like I think, I think they opened in 2012. So this was like their gotcha. second second summer of operation. Oh god, it seems like that was just yesterday they opened. Time passes so fast. Okay. Yeah. And then <laughs> so we do Stevens Pass again on this com- Common Saul Supreme DH, and he's like, "You ever heard of Whistler?" I was like, "What is this Whistler you speak of?" <laughs> and he's like, "Come on." So nice. We go up to Whistler. Uh, Crank It Up was the first trail I did at Whistler, just uh-huh. so I could kind of get the feel. Sure. And then he's like, oh, let's go to the top. So we went to the top, and he towed me down freight train. Wow. And I remember I, that first big jump I hit on freight train, I, I've got the GoPro footage somewhere. I was in the air, and went, oh, shit. Yeah. And I landed it. I landed it smooth, perfect. Nice. And I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> like... I was buzzing for like oh, for weeks, nice. and then I was hooked on Whistler. So, yeah. um, him and I would go to like I think that summer we went to Whistler like five or six times, and so 2013. Um, so then finally I was like I started looking at other DH bikes, get a a Giant Glory mm-hmm. off this guy that bought Giant's 2012 fleet of rental bikes. Because oh, he was going to start a little business with these bikes, mm-hmm. and it all fell through. So he's trying to offload all these giant downhill bikes for cheap. So I got this giant 2012 Giant Glory for like a thousand dollars. Nice. And I I remember I remember it vividly because I drove up to Canada without a bike and without a bike rack. <laughs> I met a guy as soon as crossed the border. Bought a recon or not a recon rack. I bought a North Shore rack off of him. Okay. And then I went into Vancouver and bought a downhill bike. So by the time I got to Whistler, I was like Kitted Pacific out. Northwest, you know, poster child. I was driving an FJ Cruiser. I had I had a uh, a North Shore rack and I had a downhill bike. Awesome. And I think I even went like wore a tank top that day riding yeah. at Whistler. Total bro status. Right. But <laughs> but that that giant glory, I I rode that thing. Man, I rode that thing. That that was a good bike. Cool. And so all this time, I like I've de- I've done a couple deployments. You know, I'm I'm deploying using mountain biking to help me out. I still had the scapegoat. Was still like pedaling all the way up Capitol Peak just to get some exercise. Nice. And, and where uh, were you deployed to during that time? Mainly Afghanistan. Okay. Like did some other some other stuff in other countries, but mainly our main focus was Afghanistan. And these are like short deployment, like. Compared to the regular army short tours, I did. I've done thirty days. Just go over there for thirty days, come back. Sixty days, come back. Did like a ninety day. Ninety days were considered long tours because we were working eighteen hours a day every day. Gotcha. Like it was eighteen hour duty days, sixteen hour duty days every Jesus. day. Jesus. So they've, you know, is that op- is that specifically a medic thing? That's just our unit. Like okay. that's how our unit. The special operated. ops in general. Yep. Oh, gotcha. And special operations did a lot of science behind it. You hit motivational burnout. At about 90 days of, like, okay. I don't want to do this anymore. Right. At about 90 days. So we were cutting our tours just so guys could keep their sanity because mm-hmm. learn lessons from the past. You yep. know, you can't just deploy a human being to shithole environments. Mm-hmm. Endlessly. Endlessly. Because right. our unit has done it in the past, and there's guys that are they're dealing with it now bad. So, yeah, they learn from their mistakes. And, uh, yeah, 90 days. Well... One tour, I was asleep. I had a dream 
that I jumped the jump, landed directly in the top of my head, broke my neck, and I was a quadriplegic. So Jesus. I woke up from that dream, got online, and bought a Liat brace <laughs> oh, right man. then and there. Yeah. Wow. Fast forward. That must have been a vivid dream. Fast forward 45 days. Hmm. I'm home. I got home just before Thanksgiving. Did Thanksgiving with my old landlord and his family. And I go to Duthie Hill. I'm jumping some Perdurticus in the rain. I slip a pedal right before the first big step down. Yeah. Try to get my foot back on the pedal. But basically catapulted myself head first off of that step down. Landed directly on the top of my head. Broke four vertebrae in my back. It would have been my neck if I wasn't wearing a Liat brace. Wow. So, yeah. I... <laughs> Walked myself back to my, like, with, with four broken vertebrae. Walked myself, my T, T2, T3, T4, T5. Uh, walked myself back to my truck. Paid a guy a dollar to put my mountain bike on my rack. Drove myself to the hospital. Who takes a dollar for that? He wanted a parking space, too. So, because <laughs> it was Jesus. back when Duty only had that upper parking lot. And there were people on, like on the road. Oh, man, I hope he's listening. Uh, lined up to, <laughs> lined up to park, and then yeah. he was like next one in line. I'm like, I'll give you this dollar if you put my. Oh, I can't lift my arms up if shit. you put my bike. On and my he bike took. Rack. That's my point. He took the yeah. dollar. That's weird. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> he's like, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I broke four vertebrae. So I was out for like three months. Didn't I? Couldn't like I was like unit mandated. You will not do anything for three months. Gotcha. And. uh... 91st day, jumped out of an airplane, put a 50-pound ruck on my back, walked 10 miles, went and flew in a helicopter, did medical training all night. Two days later, deployed. So, like, good God. Yeah, after breaking four vertebrae. Incredible. I didn't quit. Like, I, I, that happened, say that happened on the Saturday. That Monday, I was at work with two 10-pound kettlebells in my hand, walking inclined on a treadmill. Just because I knew that if I slowed down, absolutely bad stuff was going to happen. Yep. And my unit had got to keep moving if you get injured. My unit had great sports psychologists, physical therapists, strength, strength and conditioning coaches. We had all wow. that stuff. The cream of the crop yep. for the military. Yep, we had all that. It's a program called Thor Three. Okay. Tactical human optimization, reconditioning, rehabilitation, and readiness, or something like that. Okay. Thor Three. Okay. And. They had all these. We had all these resources available, and the army, like the ar- big army, was trying to medboard me and kick me out because mm. of my injury. Okay. I just stopped going to the appointments. I just stopped. <laughs> when Problem they, solved. When they said, "Oh, we can have you medboarded in ninety days," I'm like, "Oh, I got there's there's you know there's bad guys to take care of. Yeah. There's good guys to take care of, uh-huh. and the mission is not ended. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm not done until my mission's over. Yeah. So yeah, I just signed up for a reason. Yeah. Sure. I just started. Uh, Go into my people mm-hmm. that knew me, mm-hmm. and getting the the physical rehab I needed through my people. That's great. And uh, so I'm, I'm stationed in Lewis until I want to say late 2014. I got promoted, and basically promoted myself out of a job. Oh no! So I had to leave Cascadia. I had to leave Washington and go to my regiment's headquarters in Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Okay, uh, I want to back up okay. just a second. I'm curious how the military responds to to one of their specialists um, breaking himself off on a bicycle for fun. <laughs> so, I the way I broke it to my command mm-hmm. is I took a picture of me because at first 
when I walked in the hospital, yeah, I when you I guess when when you walk into a hospital, you're a very low triage category. Sure. So I that sat makes sense. I sat in a waiting room for like three hours mm-hmm. before they finally saw me. And then when they a military hospital, yeah, okay, at, over at Fort Lewis or JBLM, okay. mm-hmm. and before they finally like brought me back, and then they're like, "What happened?" I was like, I was quoting medical texts. I have fallen from a height twice the distance of my own, directly under the top of my head. I have uh, numbness and tingling in my hands. My armpits feel like they're on fire. Like I said that as I was handing the lady my ID when I walked in. She's like, "Okay, go take a seat." Oh Jesus! So they did a. The Army's always big on TBI, traumatic brain injury. Oh, so sure. that was their first thing is like, we need to make sure his brain's not bleeding. Yeah. So that's kind of Army medicine knee-jerk reaction to a guy saying he hit his head. Mm. Well, during their uh, CT scan of my head, it goes down to the T2. Okay. That's when the, the ER doc saw the break in my T2. Gotcha. And so I'm I'm on the, the slab to get a... Uh, contrast MRI of my abdomen because I was also complaining of abdominal pain because I broke my pelvis too. Like mm. I, I crunched myself so much. Good lord! I fractured my symphysis pubis, which is the bone that's like right below your belly button. Yeah. Um. So I was like, yeah, my stomach hurts too. So they're like, all right, we're gonna. So I was, I'm. They're about to push the contrast fluid into my vein, and the ER doc is like, stop the procedure. We need full spinal precautions. C collar long spine board all that stuff and I, I'm trying to get up like what's going on he's like lay down lay yeah, down I was like we tell, don't me, need you tell moving me what's around. going on like <laughs> he's like you have broke your uh, transverse and spinous processes of your of at least your T2 that's all I can see and I was like that would definitely explain the pain between my shoulder blades yeah. other than the abrasions you know mm-hmm. um yeah so okay okay <laughs> so how I broke it to my command is I took a like a selfie of me laying on this hospital bed, fully spinal immobilized, head strap, chin strap, and I sent it to my senior medic, and he tried calling me like right away. Yeah, he's like, "What happened?" I was like, "Ah, I crashed my mountain bike. I, okay. I'm pretty sure I did something bad." Yeah, and he's like, "Keep me posted." And yeah, so I just I went back to work Monday morning. My uh, <laughs> my uh, battalion sergeant major. So I'm kind of like I'm I'm a physical guy. Like yeah. I'm with my friends, I like I jump on my friends, like you know yeah. it, it, we're we're just a, a fraternity of war fighters. That's in sure. it so you know, my people that I'm close with, I kinda like, you know, like punch them or whatever. Yeah, kinda absolutely. like you know. And one of my buddies he's like, You're back from Afghanistan and he goes to jump on me oh and I God. just like crumble. Yeah. Like underneath them. I was yeah. like, No yeah. And my sergeant major used to he's like he gave me a reflective vest. Like a construction worker reflective vest, and he wrote "broke" on it. He goes, "You're gonna wear this while you're at work." So, as a joke, I walked around for like two or three days until everyone knew that I broke my back, yeah. and everyone knew not to touch me. Sure. Yeah. Everyone's like, "What do you wear? What's what are you doing with this vest on?" I'm like, "I'm obviously broke." Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, I, you know, riding out here. Riding Whistler, I think it was probably the one of the more emotional things that happened to me was um, leaving here and getting stationed in Kentucky. Okay. Because if you look at the topography of Fort Campbell, Kentucky, air, ten, Kentucky, Tennessee border area, there's not much. Yeah. And um, so because, because at this point, 
mountain biking has become so deeply therapeutic for you yes. that going someplace where there's that your your fear is that there wasn't that any was place a to very ride. large fear yeah. very very large uh worry in my mind sure and i probably would have cried when i went over i-90 headed east if i didn't have someone in the passenger seat of my car with me mm. that i was trying to like look all like be all like hard for you know <laughs> um oh, hard as in like stone you know uh, so yeah yeah it was very emotional keeping a brave face yep i i got a dog right before like right before i left because like i'm gonna need some type of friend so i got got me a little dog My, yeah. his name's jackson i call him the ceo of ride it out uh nice. he's the brains of the operation uh-huh um <laughs> oh he's the ceo okay yeah that required you to show up to this podcast yes. even though you were nervous yes <laughs> <laughs> he posted he, he posted on his Facebook wall. It was pretty. I saw it this morning. I thought, who the fuck is the CEO? <laughs> it's, it's Action it's a Jackson. Major operation. Yeah, it's, it's my dog, the CEO. Okay. He makes all the key decisions. Sure. He's the one that told me to keep going and not turn around and go home. Nice. So. Nice. Well, I just looked at him. He just kind of was like, throw him a ball. I was like, all right. <laughs> um, what kind of dog is it? Uh, he's a mutt. He's, it's still a best kind. It's, yeah, it's still up in the air of what exactly he is. Sure, he's a little little dog with a full size dog head that's got some type of healer or mm. Australian Shepherd. So in smart. Him. Oh man, cool, amazing. So he's also very therapeutic. Like yeah. dogs, dogs are the best. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I get stationed out in Fort Campbell, Kentucky, and I get on this. Nashville, Tennessee mountain bike forum. And I'm like, I was like, Hey, I created an account. I was like, Hey, I'm uh, new to the area. I li- I'm stationed at Fort Campbell. I want to ride some downhill. Where's, cause I know there's elevation around Tennessee. I was like, where's it a ride? And this guy, Phil Houston pops up. He's like, he sent me a private message. He's like, here, this is my cell phone number. I'm going to show you some downhill. Nice. And so I'm, I think I was still in processing at Fort Campbell and it was like October, it was cold, October, November time frame. And I met this random guy, mountain biker, you know, the, the whole community thing. Yeah. Uh, and he, we hopped into his little Toyota pickup and we drove to Wenatchee, Tennessee outside of uh, Chattanooga. <laughs> That's kind of ironic. <laughs> Wenatchee. T- okay. Because yeah. we have a Wenatchee. Yeah, area. and they're, they're all about the Sasquatch there, too. Uh, it's very... That's a, that's a squatchy area. It's very squatchy out there. What? Like, Yeah, I was like, we're pulling in this place. I'm like, yeah. Steve Kaminsky, are you listening? There is also... He, he's a big conspiracy and, and buff. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Wenatchee, Wenatchee Valley by Jasper, Tennessee. Very, very squatchy area, okay. if you're listening. Very squatchy. Well, there's this place called Trials Training Center. Okay. Um, they're they're most renowned for holding the Tennessee Knockout, which is the hardest motorcycle enduro race in the United States. Hmm. For a reason, it's crazy there. Okay. And there's this core group of riders: uh, Wendell Hatton, uh, Ricky Aretti, Dave Morgan, Troy Roberts, uh, Jeremy. Sorry, Jerm. Can't remember your last name. Uh, Vince Fast, Phil Houston, Chelsea Blocker. There's this group of guys and girls that just send it straight off a bluff. Steep. The steepest stuff to date that I rode was 
Trials Training Center, TTC. On uh, mountain bikes. These are mountain, mountain bikers bikes. you're yep. talking about. Okay. Uh, Nico, but, Mo- Nico Malali held uh, first round of his downhill southeast series there. Uh, last, not this last series, but his first year of the series okay. was held there. Right. If you want to look it up on YouTube, just look up Downhill Southeast TTC. Okay. Uh, we named the trails, like they were just numbered, but we started naming, like I guess there was a trail called Goat, which is that, it was, it was like a goat path sure. down the side of a mountain. Uh, goat broke me off a couple times. Hmm. I think I, I moved a rock, like a boulder with my head crashing Jesus. once there. Yeah. Uh, there's goat, sheep. I always called sheep your mom. Because, like, a sheep trail, it gets in the rain. It's mu- it, it's got a clay base, so it kind of gets slippery. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I went down on your mom last night. Yeah. Oh, your mom's your mom's kind of greasy right now. Right. You know, I always called sheep your mom. Uh, but it was just, it was, like, two trails off the top and, like, three or four trails about midway. Uh, lots of rock, a little bit of, a little bit of flow. Uh, but we would just meet up and ride. We we rode there from October all the way through the winter, uh, bundled up in sweatshirts with warming layers on, just meeting up and riding. It was about a four-hour drive for me. So about the same as it took me to get to Whistler. Yeah. I'm going to ride this small little mountain in Wenatchee, Tennessee, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> riding with this, these just hardcore guys and girls that just send it. Nice. Just clanky bikes nice bikes everyone's out there just riding cool <laughs> there's there's some pretty good stories there's this guy that showed up there to ride and he's trying to like act like he's all pro and he tried going up this jump and he's like suck on my balls like in midair and uh, then just scorpions the landing oh. broke <laughs> broke a lot of bones and never came back wow. <laughs> like people go to ttc once and they're like nope <laughs> and they don't come back huh uh, same same pl- way with Windrock. So Windrock is outside of Knoxville. Nico Mullally has turned Windrock into something that the Windrock guys that I met out there, the locals, and the TT. So Windrock and TTC, we were kind of like this group okay. of just good old boys and girls that just get together and hurt ourselves because. Uh, <laughs> Someone got sacrificed to the mountain every time we were, we rode at Windrock. Wow! My first day, riding at Windrock, uh, there's this like kind of scree drop that's real loose and shaly because Windrock's a big off-road park for jeeps and rock crawlers, mm-hmm. and there's just some old school, early two thousand DH stuff that comes off the top that's just full commit, like hit it or quit it you know yeah. just and not a lot of stuff with go arounds even the go arounds are just as sketchy as the main line <laughs> uh cane creek guys would come out there and ride and test their stuff uh that's where i met nico and the shaw brothers um they would use that as their off-season practice track because it's the closest thing they could find hmm. to from the windmill trail from the top down just the technicality and steepness of it, the closest they could find from Brevard, North Carolina, that equaled the World Cup style track. Gotcha. It's it's no joke. Like I've I've still got uh, problems from clipping a pedal and tomahawking down through the trees and smacking into a tree. Huh. I uh, cut my liver. I, I don't want to say lacerated, but mm. I had I had internal bleeding. Uh, contused my hip real bad. Like I've still got some like. How long does it take to get over a, a cut liver? Uh, it's been 
over two years, and I'm still fighting it almost like that that injury almost every day. Yeah, what's the, what are the symptoms? Uh, you just inter- it's internal bleeding. Like mm-hmm. you can't, you don't really feel like you just have like this weird flank pain, this weird side pain. Okay. They do like they did a a fast exam, so it's like an ultrasound exam. Yeah. And there's this area of your body called the Morrison's pouch around your kidney and your right hand side. Okay. And it's where the fluid tends to collect. Okay. And that's how they diagnosed that I had a uh, a lacerated liver. But I had like a softball size contusion on my hip. Like I had this big bump that came out on my hip that was like softball size. Okay. Oh, it hurt so bad. Again, another one of those five hour drive myself to the hospital. Wow. <laughs> but that's just wind rock. That's that's the rock. That's just mountain bikers. We just come back for more. Yeah. Like yes, we do. You know, is my bike okay? That's that's not. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I have my buddy, my buddy Matt, that lives in uh the little town I live in in Kentucky. He shattered his collarbone. He's now titanium across in his, in his collarbone. They don't know if mine's. St- the, the, I asked the surgical team at Harborview. He's like, "Yeah, I, I don't know what they put in." He's like, "He's like, it doesn't matter." <laughs> Seriously, he's like, well, if it's, it's either stainless or put a magnet up to it. Stainless, if it's good stainless, a magnet will. Yeah, because it's the iron, yep. right? I thought about that, but <laughs> yeah, you're right. But yeah, um... it's a very expensive chunk of steel. That's yeah. all I know. <laughs> anyway. but, so I, I'm again. I met a really good core group of uh, mountain bikers. In Tennessee, even around the little town I lived in, in Cadiz, Kentucky, next to uh, Land Between the Lakes Recreation Area, mm-hmm. there's a like a 12-mile cross-country loop called the Canal Loop, okay. and I went to their New Year's Day poker run one year on a slacked-out uh, <laughs> Da Vinci, the old 26 Da Vinci, uh, not mm, Spartan, a Will. No. Troy? Maybe it's the old 26 Spartan. I can't remember. Um, but I rode this cross country trail. Like I was the only guy, like I was wearing baggy shorts. Everyone else was all in Lycra. Yeah. And it was after the, after the, uh, um, the little, uh, poker run ride. And this guy, Steve Moneymaker, old, like old timer comes up and goes, Hey man, he's like, you don't look like you fit in here or something. I can't remember what he said, but we started talking <laughs> and this guy builds trail. He he's one of the, the the core group of trail maintainers on the, this canal loop. Okay. So I started talking to him and I started doing some trail work with him. You know, like it's really weird because it's a uh, you know forest service type stuff. So you can't run a chainsaw unless you're certified. Gotcha. But a lot of stuff was overgrown with weeds. So I just went out there with my weed eater and I spent nine hours one day weed eating about a five mile section of the canal loop. And then after I got done weed eating, I got my I, I went and bought a a leaf blower and leaf blowered what I got done. So, you know, the, there was no, you weren't going to break traction. On Is this grass. your, your entree to trail work? <clears throat> uh, what do you mean entree? I mean, the first time you start doing the first time I started doing trail work was before I moved to Kentucky. Okay. I did a little bit of stuff with friends of capital forest. Okay. And then Swan Creek in Tacoma. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I looked up on Evergreen and saw they had a, a work party, uh-huh. so I started doing some trail work with them. That's where I met Silas Smith, my buddy James, uh, James Warner, Brian Connolly. Met, that's where I first uh, saw the level of commitment to making awesome trail that Brian has. Okay, cool. And he started inviting me out to Tiger work parties, and so before I left, before I moved. I 
I wasn't a like a hinge pin, but I definitely put in some Serious busted knuckles hours. in mm-hmm. on uh, on Predator before nice. I before Predator was even past the first set of little moto jumps off the top when it was just the first couple hundred yards. Yeah, I was helping Brian move rock. Uh, him and uh, him and Nick Newall put okay. like rock armor and clear out roots and get all the duff out, get it down to mineral dirt. That's I, I find just as much solace in that as I do riding. Like when I I flew out here last year for t- two and a half weeks, and I just worked with Brian on uh, Megafauna and Legend. Cool. Uh, nine hours, him and I, nine just ourselves. I think we, uh, his friend Cody Olson showed up as well, but I was just checking in seven o'clock in the morning with him. We'd work until about four or five, have a beer, then go run test laps, go push up and just test. And I did that for a full week out here last year. Just work with Jay Gore. Uh, I was actually staying at Jay's place. Jay, amazing guy he came through in a lot like in a pinch i didn't have a place to stay when i landed in seattle Mm -hmm. and i posted about it on facebook he sent me a message he's like i've got a free room in the house and awesome yeah it's just just that that mountain bike brotherhood yeah you know like yeah it's solid i I, did you find it i'm curious this is kind of weird but did you find it to be that way with the bmx community in hawaii mm -hmm. okay we were tight. solid community we were tight like that because one of the things that trips me out about surfing is localism. I've mentioned it before on this show. I'm sure you've heard of that. Yeah. Does it, oh, stay is that off a thing? Way of, like, oh, surfing big time. I mean, in in, in the biking community um, there. Only in... No, not really. Not really. I've, I've, yeah. I, it's I, surf I've, specific. I get it. I get well, it. There's, there's some people that will vibe you at your at their home park. Right. And that's... You know, the, like, right, 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 right. But... Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I, was, I, didn't I was never. To. I was uh, riding yeah. BMX. I was mediocre. I was never like I could. I could do some cool stuff. Yeah. But I was never at the level of like where people would stop and just watch me. Sure. But I made sure I rolled into the park with some friends mm. that <laughs> could click a fully kickback turn down yeah. off of a six foot quarter pipe, uh-huh. <laughs> and then when they come back. I just give them a little knuckle dab, like, yeah. yep, like, I've seen that before, but good. Sure. And, like, that would kind of put, like, we'd we'd roll in these skate parks in towns we, we weren't from, and it was always that one of the one of the better guys was going to, like, right off the bat, like, we'd roll in deep, too. We'd, like, 10, 12 guys that never been to a skate park before, and one of us would have to go throw something down right off the bat to put all the locals on notice that we didn't know that gotcha. we were, we were, uh, huh. We were we were cool, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and and cool. I, and and it's just you know right. like just the whole don't be a dick, don't be an asshole. It mm-hmm. goes a long way. Sure, no matter yeah, no just matter, be cool. Yeah, and just be cool. Like that's that's like with ride it out. Like I'm yeah. I, let's let's get into. I mean, uh, yeah, we've been backstorying quite and, a bit, right? And and I'm I'm the your backstory is awesome, and and it all like you said, it all weaves in with the military stuff, and and so it's 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 all valuable stuff, and and I don't want to cut us off from where are we at 2015 now yeah. or something like that 20, 2015 to um to now mm-hmm. uh two years in uh fort campbell kentucky riding um riding mountain bikes uh stress of the stress of the job was just it's kind of getting too much i had some other stuff happen that 
I don't want to like <laughs> crazy stuff involving pink haired girls with high point nine millimeter handguns Uh-oh. that I was the on, a, on the receiving end of uh, hmm. road rage type stuff, uh, and gotcha. I, I was just I was just not happy in Kentucky, like right. at Fort oh, Campbell. Okay, and I needed I needed an out, and I, I driving four to six hours. Yeah, every ride. weekend to go ride downhill. Yeah, it was hard, especially when I'm still working 15, 16 hour days as a senior medic for a train for the the training battalion. I was teaching flight medics for okay. my unit how to do the job. Gotcha. And I I hit my head a few times uh, while riding, mm-hmm. and I could I was having some sequela from the head injury. Sequela. Um, some lasting effects. Okay. It's like post 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 event mm-hmm. down the road still having uh some some problems okay so i i, I hit my head quite I, I knocked myself out quite a few times riding at Windrock and at ttc mm-hmm. and up at snowshoe in west virginia at the bike park up there okay and it was really affecting my ability to think critically mm-hmm. and i was going through all the treatment for it yes but the only rational way I could find to fix myself was to remove myself from a high stress situation that was occupying my brain and that was to leave my unit and go to down to Yuma Arizona where I am now okay and um, I tried doing this whole ride it out thing um, can you let's let's define ride it out to start so ride it out is was basically just what I do if I just ride my bike to keep to keep my brain mm-hmm. firing, to keep sure. synapses going. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically me trying to get active duty veterans, first responders, firefighters, police officers, anybody that that has like that I can relate to on a interpersonal level. Mm-hmm. I, I can't relate to. Uh, a guy at Microsoft that's right. stressed out because he's <laughs> because code <laughs> yeah because he, he's he's behind because his ones and zeros don't match right. I can't I can't relate to that yeah I can relate to high stress situations involving weapons people getting hurt mm-hmm. um, critical like life or death split second decisions mm-hmm. uh, exposure to real life trauma yeah real exposure world, to real world dis- trauma to you know head injury blast injury gun being shot being shot at mm-hmm. shooting someone yeah that's that's my realm that's what i that's that's what goes on inside my brain is trying to to process and pick apart all of these things sure so i can relate to that everyone's experiences are different there's guys out there guys and girls out there men and women in the military that have had far more traumatic experiences than I have seen Mm -hmm. far worse things than I have. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not trying to put myself above anybody with that. I just know that when I get on my mountain bike, no matter if it's some up and down little XC trail, Mm -hmm. if it's steep and deep, like tech stuff, if it's a flowy jump line at Whistler or snowshoe or whatever, I know that at that moment when I'm hands on the handlebars, I'm at peace. I don't, I can't think about any of that stuff. Sure. And sometimes it'll be in the back of my mind. I, I, I'll, fiz, I'll, I'll force myself to think about these things while I'm riding. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. So I can take that traumatic trigger that triggers a PTSD event in my brain mm -hmm. and try to link it with me having fun and trying wow. to uh, Interesting. make those neurosynapses fire correctly because mm -hmm. there's a lot of like new age treatment from PTSD right now yes. and a lot of like regressive therapy MDMA uh, DMT mm. psilocybin it's right. all kind of experimental yep. but they're finding if you can have that person like fully embraced in that uh, that that emotion yes but bring posit have positivity along with it yes. it helps rewire those neural pathways to where it doesn't affect I could I could talk we could talk offline we could I, I about, actually I just read a book uh, by Phil Philip Zimbardo called time perspective therapy okay and it's a unique approach to PTSD where basically the concept is that um, whenever a PTS, well, first of all, you work through the PTSD events by writing them out very, very specifically mm -hmm. with a counselor. And then the next thing you do is you find positive events from the same period of time. And so when the event comes up in your mind, then you go ahead and uh, try to focus on, on the camaraderie that you had with your yep. buddies or whatever. Anyway, it's proving to be really successful. It's an open source, free counseling okay. approach. And yeah. I'll, I'll put that in show notes. Yeah. At point, my only point about all that is that um, PTSD is something that's of interest to me and that, uh, yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff happening with yeah. it. <laughs> and, I, and, as, and, as, and as bad as war is in our past 15 years mm -hmm. uh, with this global war on terrorism, and as you know, as many people have, have that have died, lost limbs, suffered, have PTSD, it's causing so much advancements in mm. pre-hospital medicine, in surgical medicine, in sure. mental mental well-being medicine. Yep. You know, and and the military has they they have taken notice. Interesting. They, like they've they've got TBI clinics. For They're paying attention. Yes, they they have. They're, they're listening to what people are saying, mm -hmm. you know, um, TBI clinics, mental health clinics. It's not a stigma in the military to go see a psychologist. Yeah. You know, it's um, people historically, it's, oh, it's a sign of weakness, blah, blah, blah. Hey, as someone who right. tried to be a hard MFer, yeah, and I finally broke down and went and saw mental health. Yeah. It works. Yeah. They can. Just they can help you. Yeah. Yeah. And. Is having somewhere, some, and yeah, just just being able to get some stuff off your chest, and they can get you pointed in certain directions. I already had the tool; I just wasn't using it to its fullest ability. Gotcha. I already had mountain biking or bike, just being on a bike as a tool. Uh -huh. I I just took I, I started listening to some some other podcasts and reading about, uh, you know how how. People have historically tried to deal with traumatic events. Mm -hmm. So I just started trying to use mountain biking. Like I think about high stress events while I'm riding. Mm -hmm. And I can honestly equate some of the feelings of being in a firefight and having rounds snap off over the top of my head. Mm -hmm. And we have got to get from where we are at to the next building or to go grab a guy who has been shot. Yeah. And I've got to return fire. Because that's the first part of combat medicine is to suppress enemy fire. Sure. So I, I call that preventive medicine. I'm giving them a little bit of preventive medicine. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm <laughs> trying to get the enemy to get their heads down so I can get out and grab this guy and pull him out of harm's way and get a tourniquet on him. Gotcha. That 
that same type of like hyper vigilance. Yeah. I get when I force myself to straighten my fingers mm-hmm. off of the brakes <laughs> and point the bike downhill and bounce off rocks and survive down through a lot because I know the consequences of crashing hard. Yeah. I've experienced them. Sure. I know the consequences of the of of combat. Yeah. I've been a part of it. I've witnessed it. I've had to treat it. And in my brain, I get that same type of neurological firing to where after I like okay, so Goat's Gully at Whistler. Yeah. I make it down through Goat's Gully <laughs> and I'm like I'm in one piece. In one piece. <laughs> I make it, you know, like last time I was in a, a I was in a a no shit firefight when it was done and we were doing our battle damage assessment and you know our our after you know reorganizing everything after the the firefight was over I was like I'm in one piece. Yeah. That felt great. Yeah. That's the weird thing. Right. Combat feels great because you are on the edge of life. Sure. It's bullets literally whiz. I, I, I remember running down these stairs and a sniper took a shot at me and I watched the rat, like the slow motion. I saw the, the mortar of the side of the, uh, the building sh- like explode and the pieces of it hit my, uh, eye gla- my protective glasses I was wearing. I, I remember that event being slowed down I, wow. to this day and I'd, I think I fell down the rest of the stairs. I couldn't, like, I was so overwhelmed yeah. that my feet kind of just stopped working, and I just, like, toppled head over heels down the, re- down the stairs the rest of the way. Because it was an, ex- it was, um, Iraqis have really weird architecture. It was an exposed staircase okay. that was exposed to the world, and we were being, at, our Iraqi police station was being assaulted from three sides. Jesus. And I was trying to get downstairs to check on my guys that were on the first floor and second floor because they were lobbing us with mortars and they were shooting us from three sides, shooting at us from three sides. Yeah. And this exposed staircase was one of the sides we were being shot at from. And I just remember hearing this. I heard a. I heard the crack, and I felt the all the the spalling and the mortar and the the slag from around hit me in the face, and I was like, wow! Like I fell down the stairs the rest of the way. Wow. And I got to the bottom. I was like, that's the closest I've come to death in a long time. Uh-huh. And, you know, my old unit I just left when I moved to Arizona, same thing. We're, you know, coming in, guns blazing, you know, or running off the back of the aircraft to go pick up an injured guy. And on on infill to go pick this guy up, we're hearing rounds hit the helicopter. It's that same feeling I get on just trying to, like, open up the brakes and just let her fly on a, sure. on a, on a, on a steep trail on a bike. Yeah. Um, I had... I had that feeling the other day, riding with Brian out in uh, the Olympic Forest and some trails that were going to remain nameless, invite-only type stuff, uh-huh. and it was straight down the gosh darn mountain, wow. and I was doing everything I could to stay in control, uh-huh. and it felt great, because I knew, <laughs> I knew hitting a tree or uh, taking it off to the side, because the side was a sheer exposure was not an option clipping a pedal was not an option surviving was the option gotcha and getting through that trail was the option and it felt great uh-huh. I'm still buzzing from that I was we were talking about it last night he's up at uh, up outside Skycomish digging some trail and we went and uh, hung out with him 
for a little bit last night before the sun went down and i was like man that stuff we rode in the olympic floors was great <laughs> like and, and it's cool. so that's like ride it out is i just want to i want to share that experience with people you know men and women of the military veterans that have that are dealing with trying to find an outlet for their stress okay there's plenty of outlets right a lot of them aren't good right, right. sitting at home drinking you know, trying getting to dr- trying to get high, trying to drown it away, is is not is not productive. Right. I want to I want to share what I have found as a productive outlet for me, because mm-hmm. I'm no anomaly. I'm just a certainly not. I'm just another guy on this earth. Yeah, that's walking around. Yeah, if it's well, worked for me. Well, except <laughs> you are somewhat anomalous in in your willingness to talk about it. I mean, I've, I've known it, a lot of military people that haven't told me 10% of what you've shared in the last that's 90 another, minutes. That's that's another thing is, like, I, I was very... This is only recent I've started trying to open up. Okay. Um, because it needs to be said. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, For a multitude of reasons, it needs to be talked about. Yeah, yeah. to help other people. Do, like, hey, if, if anyone's out there listening and going through some stuff, you're not alone, man. Right. You're not alone. That's why I have I have these wristbands. Yeah, tell me about made. the wristbands. I, I was just I was trying to find a a way to get my message out, mm-hmm. and initially I was trying to like to sell them for five bucks a piece because mm-hmm. I, I I paid for them, so I was trying sure. to get some money back mm-hmm. to fund this trip that I'm on. Mm-hmm. But a couple of my really good friends bought them, but no one really bit. So I must have been handing them out. Mm-hmm. Um, it says write it out on the outside, and then on the inside it says you are not alone. Awesome. And badasses don't quit. Taking a little bit of uh, credo from my old unit, our uh, motto is Night Stalkers Don't Quit. Okay. And anyone that's served in the military, you're badass. Yeah. You, no matter what job you had, experience are diff- or everyone's experiences are individual and vary by your job or how much you put into it. Yeah. But if you are part of that 1% of our nation's population that it's an all volunteer military. You, you volunteered, you stepped up, you may have been an office clerk, but you stepped up to volunteer. Yeah. You're a badass in my book. Yeah. You, <laughs> I, it, and my friends listening may joke because I am a, I, I harp on the quality of just general military member in the army today mm-hmm. versus, cause I, I'm, I'm, I have, I'm trying to make myself better, but I have the special operations blinders on Okay. where I work with people that want to do their job, that want to help you. I yes. work with, I work with some of the best that our U S military has to offer on a daily basis. Yeah. So when I, when I see regular army jackassery, so to speak, yeah. it kind of like irks at me. Mm-hmm. And as a senior leader in the military, um, I see some of the stuff that, leadership does to their juniors and i'm like oh. but right. write it out could help you could be an e2 and e3 station at jblm and your platoon sergeant's an a-hole you know you need to you need someone to talk to sure you need some you need an outlet mm-hmm. let me help you yeah you know i don't have much right now but i work uh my write it out thing kind of works with this other or this real not... I'm still waiting to get some extra cash to file my 501c paperwork so I can become a legit nonprofit. Okay. 
so I can actually start taking donations. Okay. And so this is the we're at the seeds level this, of this, this thing. Is, yes, this I the tried grassroots doing, getting started. I tried doing this two years okay. ago when I came out here on a road trip, but I got discouraged right off the bat and didn't do it because mm. of because of my my old job, just a workload mm-hmm. and had me discouraged. Yeah. Um, I'm taking the fact that I I'm stationed in Yuma, Arizona now. I work with the military freefall school. I have a a lot of productive free time on my hands so i'm trying to use it to the best of my ability best of my benefit two and a half years until i retire Mm -hmm. um i'm i want to do something for the people that have served alongside me and most of them have done things way crazier than me Mm -hmm. and have a lot more pent up than i do but i know if what i have if it works for me i could maybe help someone chip away at what's uh got them you know sure i i i'm not i i'm you know i'm i'm not perfect i drink i get drunk every once in a while like i'm not as much as i used to mm-hmm. but alcohol and uh narcotics are not the way to deal with PTSD and just stress in general. Yeah, you you get yourself I in agree. this negative feedback loop. Yeah, where it's not a you're, solution. You're no, it's not. Your body gets triggered like up oh, stressful, uh, stressful drink, drink yeah. stressful opiate. You know mm-hmm. that's because you're you're pulling yourself out of the situation. Uh, I I want people to get into mountain biking because I see smiles on faces every day when I ride. I saw smiles yeah. on faces Stevens Pass yesterday. People yeah. that had never been on a mountain bike before, out there going down Golden Spike, hooting and hollering. Yeah, you know, for for <laughs> people that are more advanced, that little Golden Spike trail is probably nothing. Right. But they're hooting and hollering going down this this little trail, and like, I, 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 I a lot of people, you know, that the whole Joey Whistler thing. You got the guy with right. the jeans and yeah, the knee yeah. shin guards on over his jeans. That <laughs> stuff makes me happy because that person is out there outside Absolutely. their comfort zone. No judgment. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> uh, along with, like, Ride It Out, we work with Veterans Adventure Group. Uh, my buddy Justin uh, is the the founder, CEO of Veterans Adventure Group, uh, veteransadventuregroup.org. He, okay. I, I, I met him in kind of passing. I also skydive. Okay. I met him, and skydiving helps tremendously. Interesting. With stress. Like, yeah. I'm a mountain biker with a skydiving problem. Okay. Because... <laughs> I have spent a lot of money on skydiving yeah. that probably could have gone to some better mountain bike parts. <laughs> so mountain bike with a skydiving problem. But there's no, there's nothing more liberating and freeing and makes you appreciate life than hucking yourself out of an airplane at 14,000 feet. Wow. I I like I re, I skydive to relax, I mountain bike to feel alive. I don't, it's kind of weird. Like mm-hmm. I still Every once in a while, I, do, I try something new skydiving, like yeah. trying to like fly head up or head down mm-hmm. or doing some free fly stuff. Or I just started wingsuiting. Wingsuiting scares the living crap out As of me. As well it should. But I still do it. Yeah. I st- still do it. <laughs> yeah. it. It's like there's so much more that can go wrong wingsuiting. Oh, man. Yeah. I think I've, I've raised my chances for a cutaway by like 1,000% just flying a wingsuit. Sure. Um, are, are you familiar with Jeb Corliss? Yep. So okay. that's a, that's a different style of wingsuiting. Okay. That's the wingsuit base jumping. Base jumping, right. I'm right, still right, wingsuiting right. out of an airplane. Yeah, okay. Free of any cliffs mm-hmm. or objects. Okay. 
you're not blasting down some Alps Valley. No. Okay. And those guys at Wings 200 feet jump, off the grass. I have, like, so the internet, we see that stuff on a daily basis. Sure. We see it in commercials. I was like, oh, wingsuiting, wingsuit base jumping, cool. Then I tried wingsuiting for the first time. Mm-hmm. You even think about turning right, and you're going to turn right. Wow. You even, you, you, you unflex your foot just a little bit by applying attention on that. On the on your your leg vents and your leg wing, mm-hmm. you're going to turn sharply in that direction. Interesting. So the the amount of control and proprioception that those wingsuit pilots, wingsuit base jumpers have to fly so close to a cliff, yeah. and make it look effortless. Yeah, it there's much there's so much more going on than anybody that has never even tried skydiving that can comprehend. Right. There's so much. Not let alone that you make one, you flex your pinky wrong, you're dead. Yeah. You know, like. And flight is so enticing to humans in general that watching those wingsuit videos is, it, it's like nothing, nothing appears easier, right? Mm-hmm. Like watching it's like, oh, they make it look so easy. But, but all the time I'm watching them, I was thinking, I've always thought, man, that must be really freaking difficult. Yes. To get right. It's. I think in other than doing like some head down high speed formation stuff mm-hmm. and like our aerobatic stuff where you're you're doing precise movements around another person where you can collide with that other person. Yeah. Uh wingsuit base jumping is the most in my opinion, is the most technical aspect of air sports. Okay. Of human flight Just air sports. Period. Yeah. Because there, one slight miscalculation. There's, there's no. Oh, I'm going to scrape my knee. Mm-mm. No. The fact that Jeb Corliss is alive after that oh, crash. Two. He's had two. He's had two. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's absolutely miraculous. He's had. I think. I, I, I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he's had two traumatic injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, wingsuit base jumping. Yeah. And he's. It's been really interesting watching his his mental process over the last like five to seven years. Mm-hmm. Where at first he was like, "Yeah, death. It's a thing that's going to happen. Whatever." To you know what? I really love life. <laughs> yeah, well, look <laughs> that at dude Travis, is so smart. Look at Travis it's, Pastrana. Travis Pastrana uh, used sure. to have night tremors, uh, and the only way, like night terrors, not night tremor, but night terrors. He used yeah. to wake up as a kid, and the only way he could get his brain to slow down enough to enjoy life. Mm-hmm. Was to just huck it on a dirt bike, yeah, at, and do, and do interesting, amazing, and he's he's got a, he's got a family now. He's so he's you could tell he's kind of getting old, and some of his maybe some of his old injuries are you know slowing him down a bit. Yeah, he's still sending it. Oh, sure. he's still sending it big. But if you look at old interviews of Travis Pastrana back when he was like, you know, trying to do the supercross thing, he's like, ah, yeah, 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 you know, just going crazy. Hubris to now. <laughs> He yeah. still gets crazy, yeah, but he does. He's, he's got, more level-headed, yeah, yeah. And I think like the mix between mountain biking and skydiving mm-hmm. has what really calmed me down, mm-hmm. and has been more therapeutic than any tricyclic antidepressant, more than any uh, type of pill or injection to treat any a mental disorder could ever do. Sure, you know. We could probably talk forever on how we are an over overly medicated society. Yeah, and agreed. I I can honestly and say, recreational drugs are a part of that, by the way, yes. in my opinion. <laughs> I, I've I, I 
I drink a little bit. Mm-hmm. I like I like ride beers. Yeah. You know, I'm I like a good beer when I'm sure. riding. Um, I have not been uh, like blackout, stumble, puke all over myself drunk in a long, long time. Good for you. And I want to say it's because I have found a positive trigger for my brain in mountain biking and skydiving. Yeah. I've only been skydiving for like two and a half years, and mm-hmm. I can. Did you learn to jump in the military? Static line. Okay, gotcha. Just static line is mm-hmm. basically you put a big, heavy, large parachute on your back, mm-hmm. hook a, a line to a cable in an aircraft yeah. at about 1,500 feet above ground, wow. and you walk off the back, and that cable pulls your parachute open, and you only have about a minute or so of canopy time before you have a controlled crash to the ground. Sure. Because the, the big army parachute... Like the, what the regular like 82nd Airborne uses, there's really no controllability inputs with it. Right, right. And it's just feet knees together, what they call parachute landing fall or PLF, yeah. and hope for the best. Yeah. Um, skydiving, you've got toggles, you can flare, yeah, you can yeah. control your landing. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm now military free fall qualified. Huh. And I don't think I ever want static line again. Right, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unless I, I'm going to have to here shortly because I have to get recurrent so I can go to static line jump master course. Um, but, yeah, static line, not <laughs> it's, a, mm-hmm. it's just a controlled crash to the ground. Gotcha. And that's even what they call Hollywood with no combat equipment on. Mm-hmm. You throw... Why do like, they call it Hollywood? Because <laughs> you, you're just like, oh, look at me. I'm a Hollywood. Uh, sure, you know, I'm, sure. I'm styling and profiling. I'm yeah. Hollywood. But then they do, you do a combat equipment jump. Oh, and, my God. Man, there's guys that strap Carl Gustav rifles to them. These big, huge, like, uh, recoilless rifles. Mm-hmm. Uh, like so I we're would, talking in excess of 70. pounds. Oh, jeez. Okay. 180-pound dude, 200-pound dude with 100 pounds of equipment on him crashing oh, to the ground. Wow. Incredible. On... In combat, it's going to be relatively uneven terrain. Yep. You know, because there's, there's no survey drop zones in war. Right. There's no, uh, let's have an arrow on the ground giving us the prevailing wind direction. <laughs> you know, there's some there's some cool fancy programs out there that help with that. Yeah. But static line jumping in combat, whoo. Right, right. <laughs> That's. That's heavy. Yeah. Okay, uh, so back to write it out. I, I, I want to talk about the organization to the extent that it exists it sounds like it's it's brand new yep. and you're building something up yep. the goal is to have it um uh in full flight by the time you retire two and a half years is that am i more or less on target or yes do you have shorter term oh I, is if i could find the sooner a, the better if i find a veteran in the southwest united states region where i live yep that wants to get into mountain biking mm-hmm. we could start as soon as i get back at the end of the month okay so you're willing to help anybody who who needs it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I will I will ride every green trail, groom trail. Uh-huh. They can use. I have a I have a a downhill bike that I'm not really using. Mm-hmm. But so ultimately, I want to. Yeah. What's ca- the big picture? So concept. Do ride it out, kind of like how Veterans and Venture Group does for their skydivers. That they they find these veterans that want to get more out of life. Okay. So they find these guys that want to go skydive. Mm-hmm. They raise money to get these uh, these candidates their skydiving license. Okay. And then once they're a licensed skydiver, mm-hmm. give them the equipment, the tools needed to continue to enjoy skydiving. Yeah. So it takes at a minimum 25 jumps to be a licensed skydiver. Gotcha. And, you know, just 
much like mountain biking, parachutes are no uh, no cheap you know, right. endeavor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you can get on pink bike and get a cheap bike, but you don't want to monkey around with... You can get used. There's good used equipment. You can okay. get used equipment. My my parachute is used. Okay. My my main and reserve, and my container are used. Uh-huh. But it's still four grand. Yeah. Oh wow. For all of it. Wow. Um. But. Okay. So so as far as um as far as write it out. I mean, you're making videos on and posting them on YouTube yep. to yeah, talk so about I, to talk about the plan and and the. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to show with my write it out videos. I'm just trying mm-hmm. to like so f- there's a few of them like all my mountain bikes kind of broke at the same time okay so i had to resort to ride my dirt bike okay so i was just going out to some of the <laughs> it takes the the cool areas in socal to ride dirt bikes uh-huh. and so my initial videos that i had that i took off of youtube i would go research a topic that had to do with mental health mm. or like being a what like kill culture like the culture of the military where yeah. it's in you know kill 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 it's just a silhouette, shoot it, it drops, move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. And how, you know, certain aspects of the military community have made a an art or a professionalism out of war fighting. Gotcha. And talk about the mental aspect of that, like after those guys are done. Mm-hmm. The, the training that they with. have and what they have to deal with and how my ability to critical decision make and navigate through life in the civilian sector may be vastly different from yours sure. because of experiences I've had and the, the things that I've seen and had to do, I may approach going to a grocery store and buying a gallon of milk different than anybody else. Yeah. You know, I'm, I used to be that guy cause I drove a Humvee in Iraq and got blown up by IDs. I would look and be hyper vigilant on every every little piece of trash on the ground because in Iraq it could be a water bottle yeah. and that could be a pressure plate for an IED yeah. you know it could be a discoloration in the in the the cement on the road because mm-hmm. they would at night they'd go through and cut out a hole in the blacktop put a, a 155 millimeter artillery round in there hook some explosive to it on a command or remote detonated switch and you drive over it boom your Humvee is flying 30 feet in the air your gunners being ejected and you know so additionally when i first got back from my initial deployment to uh iraq i was very hyper vigilant about that type of stuff sure and i put myself to this day i still put myself in uncomfortable situations to better myself okay i usually like to walk into an establishment case it real quick and find what I consider a comfortable spot to sit where I can watch the maximum amount of inflow, outflow, yeah. and have nobody behind me. Yeah. Recently, I've been starting sitting with my back towards the door of the entrance, like sitting close to the entrance with my back towards the door, mm-hmm. just to try to test myself, see how long I can sit in that. Mm-hmm. And what am I doing while I'm doing it? I'm editing a video mm-hmm. for Ride It Out. I'm mm-hmm. watching a mountain bike video on Pink Bike. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing something to positively engage the pleasure sensors in my brain while I'm experiencing a stressful event. Same, ride it out, you know, riding my mountain bikes the same way. Okay. I, I don't like talking to people. Mm-hmm. But when I'm at these mountain bike parks, I have a pocket full of wristbands nice. and my little wallet full of my little cards I had made up. Mm-hmm. 
and I'm forcing myself to talk to people in a chairlift and hand them a card, forcing myself to walk up to random people putting their bike together like, hey man, my name's Clayton, I'm on this little like awareness thing trying to get veterans into mountain biking, and I give them a card and a wristband. Cool. You know, I'm... So not only am I trying to help somebody else, but this is also therapeutic for me. I'm also trying to like better myself. Yeah. I, I just turned 38. You know, I'm I'm at that like start on the downhill slide. So I'm, I I've 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 been an a hole for so many years. You know, I've 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 got to I've, I'm not trying to make wrong like make right all the wrong I've done in the world, yeah. but I'm trying to show that you can go from being a person that is completely self-absorbed and shut off to the world because of the things they have seen and done to someone that can share those experiences and open up and give back. That's yeah. just, I'm, I'm just one guy trying to make my little bit in the world. Gotcha. Um, so that's what ride okay. it out is. I'm just trying to, I want to, I want veterans, uh, first responders, firefighters, EMSs, you know, anyone that I can relate to, to get on a mountain bike and ride if they want to get on a road bike i may judge them a little bit but they can get on a road bike and ride too yeah cross country yeah yeah fine do it no cross country guys are (laughs) off-roadies that's awesome um but yeah that's just i just want i want to find people that want to ride i want to give them so i kind of want to be like uh an enabler Uh uh-huh you know, in the military, we use a lot of fancy terms for what people are. I want to be an enabler. I want to enable somebody to accomplish. I want to enable somebody to learn a task, this task being mountain biking at whatever level they want to ride at, and then I want to give them missions. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Gotcha. You want to you want to be a, uh, a bike packer? Okay, come do the Arizona 700 with me. Come do the Arizona 300 with me. Come do some bike packing adventure with me. Yeah. You know? get me out of my comfort zone you know and it doesn't just have to be with mountain biking if someone wants to try to get into riding dirt bikes i'll go ride dirt bikes with them you know uh, anything cool. on you want to go for a, a cruise on a on your motorcycle i got a harley we can go for a cruise nice. all that two wheels have always been therapeutic for me sure ever since i was a little kid just get out of my little trail 125 and getting lost in the mountain mountains of montana mm-hmm. or riding my dad's uh, I think it was like a K2 mountain bike. I don't know what it was. But yeah. riding my dad's mountain bike, bouncing down this gravel road to go meet up with friends and go swim or go try to... I remember trying to jump that thing once and it didn't end well. <laughs> I, I have a... my This pinky finger and this finger are all are slightly out of whack because I jammed them into a rock. Uh, but Yeah. But I got just, some of that too. Yeah, just I just want... I want veterans to have positive outlets. You know, I'm I'm not part of the, even though it's uh, like the wounded warrior thing. I don't want to. I'm not calling anybody wounded. No, in my eyes, you're not wounded. You know, I I'm not trying to single you out because of a a mental deficit or a physical deficit a veteran may have. Okay. You know, you've you've done your time. You've you've earned your keep. You've got. Show me your scars. I'll show you mine. You know, show sure. me. I don't have any missing limbs, but if I did, you know, I know a lot of vets that have missing limbs. And they wear them with a badge of like a badge of honor, mm-hmm. because you know, one of them, Leroy Petrie. Look that guy up. Amazing, amazing dude, Leroy Petrie, Medal of Honor winner, lives here in Washington. Okay, winner, 
I said winner. Sorry, Medal of Honor recipient. You don't you don't win the Medal of Honor <laughs> right. when you get your hand blown off. Yeah. You're a Medal of Honor recipient. Yeah. Uh, former Ranger at two seven five. The guy is. He's a badass, and he does not quit. You know, I saw when I was at Fort Sam Houston, when I was going through AIT for a medic, I saw a guy, no arms, had hooks for his arms. Yeah. This is in 2006, climbing one of the, the, the high tower obstacle for the military obstacle course. It's basically these logs you have to weave in and out that go up to about 30 feet and you got to come out come back down wow. with these gripper hooks that he was using to pull himself up wow. on this obstacle yeah and i sat there in amazement this yeah. is you know i've i did six years in the marine corps i thought i was invincible <laughs> and i'm watching a guy with no arms climb an obstacle that there's probably a good 20 percent population <laughs> that make it about halfway they're like nope and this guy did it with no arms. Incredible. El- dual amputee, elbows down on both sides. I talked to him afterwards. I don't remember his name, but I was like, you're an inspiration, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm hoping that I can be an inspiration mm-hmm. to somebody. At least if, if I help one person, if I get one person on a mountain bike and raise enough money to get one person their own bike and all their own gear and yeah. get them out on a trail... I could stop doing the ride it out thing and be happy. <laughs> right. Well, but, I have a feeling that you're going to you're going to put a lot of people on mountain bikes. <laughs> I, I want to. I want to. It's I've only been in it for what, 5 years, 2000. I, I consider that I started mountain biking for real in 2012, 2013 okay. when I bought that Diamondback scapegoat. Yeah. That's kind of when I say I was born as a mountain biker. Yeah. Um, I've only been at it for 5 years or so. But it it is completely absorbed every aspect of my life. Yeah. I yeah. wear all my pedal strikes with pride. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I I will. You know, there's a, a running joke in the special operations community is like, how do you know when you met a Navy SEAL? Don't worry, they'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like how do you know when you met a mountain biker? Don't worry, they'll tell they'll you. Tell you. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Um, but that's just yeah. That I just I want to bring. This so true. this sport, <laughs> yeah. How you know when you met a skydiver? Don't Mountain worry, they'll bikers. tell you. Or just look in the back of their car; they've got some type of sticker that identifies them. You sure. Know? Whether it's a Fox suspension sticker or a USPA member sticker, there's yep. some a tailgate pad. Whistler, uh, yep. A Whistler little, sticker, yep. <laughs> sure, a tailgate pad. <laughs> or um. a, a, some type of like odd-looking bike rack that right. gets a lot of weird looks when you're in yeah. certain parts of the United States. Yeah. I used to tell people that my recon rack was an antenna. <laughs> it kind of looks like it does, one, doesn't actually. it? Yeah. yeah. I was crazy. like, you know, I was like, you know those radio antennas you That's see? That's an intense rack, man. <laughs> yeah, my buddy Cody makes those. I'm not cool. trying to get you any more business, Cody. Don't worry. I know you're behind as it is. <laughs> I actually got him out on his bike yesterday. That was. If, if people are going to ask about highlights of this trip, is actually is getting to ride with friends. Um. See old, like see continued traditions. Going up to Whistler, I've gone to Whistler every year since 2013 with my friend Matt. Mm-hmm. At least one day. Um, cool. You know, meet new friends, but getting Cody out on a mountain bike, <laughs> I, I, I felt like I uh, 
I checked a big check mark because I've been trying to get that guy to ride forever. Yeah. I feel like I've to get him to ride with me forever. So I yeah. feel like I checked off a big, a big check mark on my to do list. Nice, cool. All right. Well, uh, this has been awesome, man. I really yeah. appreciate your time, and I know that I appreciate uh, this. this. That, that people are gonna are be, gonna be inspired by your story and um, what's to come with uh, with ride it out. I'll make sure that all your contact stuff is um, is in show notes and. Okay. And you'll get uh, harassed and <laughs> yeah, it, inspired by by people listening. On so. Facebook, it's just uh, write it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Facebook.com slash write it out. Yeah, slash write it out FTW. Okay. FTW meaning forever two wheels. Okay. Not fuck the world. Or, a lot of or people, for the win. Yeah, a lot of people think <laughs> that it means, you know, uh, fuck the world, oh, but it's yeah. forever two wheels. Great. Instagram is write it out one word underscore FTW. Okay. And... That's about a social oh, my YouTube page I've had forever, so you can look at some old crazy videos on there. Okay. But it's youtube.com slash ClayXBMX. Okay. So Clayton, ClayX, uh-huh. Roman numeral 10, uh-huh. and BMX because I grew up riding BMX. Uh-huh. Um, okay. Yeah, those are all my social media stuff. Great. I just posted my Whistler video this morning. I should have one for Stevens Pass riding yesterday. Uh, when I get a few days, and uh, I've got some compiled GoPro footage of riding around here mm-hmm. that I'm actually going to make because I've been doing these sessions videos, which are just me at the bike parks. Okay. But my actual ride it out videos, I haven't done one in a while, so I'm going to do one where I talk a little bit, show some ride footage, and talk afterwards. Awesome, like, like my historical videos. People have been telling me I need to put some dog, some of my stuff on my dog in there. So yeah, nice. It might be oh, yeah. the CEO, the CEO of Ride It Out might be showing up in the future <laughs> video. All right, man. Cool. Yeah. All right. Thanks again. Thanks again to Clayton for sharing his story. I've included links to his Facebook and Instagram accounts in show notes, where you'll find tons of awesome links related to this episode located at mtbjumper.com slash Clayton Peterson, or right there on your device, whether you're using the native iTunes podcast app or Castro or any Apple or Android podcatcher. I like Podcast Republic. Show notes are right there. Just scroll down. You'll see them including the links. The iTunes link is at the top of show notes. Please, if you like the show, pop over to iTunes, give me five stars. It's going to make a huge difference in getting distribution and high-quality guests and all kinds of stuff. Please, (laughs) facebook.com slash Podcast is where you'll find us on that social media platform. And Instagram is at mtbjumperpodcast. You can also head over to mtbjumper.com to leave me a message or show suggestions or guest suggestions or whatever, maybe just to say hi. You'll see the link to the contact page right there at the top of the page. Let's see what else. I'm going to be giving away cool stuff. T-shirts, logo stickers, parts. Yep, it's coming. You need to be on the email list to get in on that. Uh, head Once again, head to mtbjumper.com. And you'll see the form to to drop me an email. I don't spam. I don't share email addresses. It's just the the show when it when it goes live, you'll get that email. Plus the announcements when cool stuff is happening. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Another fun, informative, insightful episode is on the way. I'll see you then. In the meantime, make time to ride that bike. <laughs>